0: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy. Discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. All right!
1: Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going?
2: Hey, Jake, I'm doing great. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing very well. I'm doing
2: good, too. And uh, I'm actually really excited about our episode today because we are going to start a new journey with a new player. And uh, this player is one of the great Frisbee players of all time. And I say Frisbee player because not just a great freestyler, but a great overall player as well. I mean, he has won just about Every championship you can imagine in every discipline, great golfer, great distance thrower. I mean, just just a great overall player uh, in the freestyle world. He's probably best known as the team captain of Bud Light Freestyle Frisbee team. And with that, I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Crazy John Brooks. Welcome, Craze, to Shooting the Frisbees.
1: Hello, Randy, Jake. Aloha. Thank you. Pleased to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you here. I've uh, been wanting to talk to you and learn a lot more about your history in the sport and uh, a lot more about Bud Light to the team and and lots of other stuff. So why don't we just jump right in and uh, just ask you, how did it all start? How did Frisbee come into your life?
0: Well, uh the frisbee just appeared when i was about eight you know i, I revert back to my uh eighth birthday my mom gave me a pack of olympic ring minis so i lost those pretty quick within a year probably next birthday i got a master and i just became obsessed with that in the front yard and lost it so i was down in jackson mississippi growing up didn't have anybody else to throw with so you know out of sight out of mind didn't pick it up again until uh, freshman year in high school
2: Wow, so the first time was when you were eight years old? Yeah, around my eighth
0: birthday. That's cool.
2: And then so you picked it back up in high school, and then did you start connecting with other folks?
0: Yeah, I uh, freshman year, it was a tumultuous year, uh, both my freshman and senior years in high school for crazy reasons. Uh, but uh, there was a teacher strike my freshman year, and we had a lot of time on our hands. The Schools closed, and then uh, they had just transferred this student in named... Chris Kloss, K-L-O-S, and this guy ended up being uh, my gateway drug to Frisbee. So he was from California, and I just, uh, you know, I picked up a lot of uh, just good vibes from this kid. And uh, he had a really awesome family, military family. But uh, he had a, uh, I think it was a master, but he would, uh, we go out on uh, afternoons, start tossing. So it, it, it felt pretty easy to pick up. We were, you know, pretty good as a flow player. You know, throw a catch. These are great days of the heave and everything.
2: Right. So this is you guys weren't trying trick catches or anything. You guys are just tossing and enjoying the flight.
0: Yeah. And what year was that? That's uh, freshman year, 72. No, it'd be 73. So,
2: So this is early on before any kind of trick catches or delays or anything. So do you remember when you started seeing that and incorporating it into
0: your joy of the game? Um, you know, I do remember seeing some Pepsi commercials a couple of times. Uh, and then my first, you know, the first time my mind exploded was at uh, was at college. I went to music school down at Ole Miss, Oxford, Mississippi. I ran into some guys that had a lot longer hair than I did. They would hang out and play Frisbee on the practice field where Marching Band was. I was a music major, so uh, watching these guys throw and Just having a blast. And uh, and they asked me to join. I think, you know, I just happened to be able to get an invite in there. And then uh, they had a compliment of my throw. And I felt, you know, I'm going to stick around. Kind of, you know, felt welcome amongst the group. Super fun. Because we were on a gridiron, too, for the first time ever. I'm actually seeing how far the discs are throwing. So, got in with this particular clan at the school. And that later introduced me to Steve Kelly, who organized the, Magno- the first Magnolia State Flying Disc Festival. Right, so that would be my first event. Um, just prior to that, the copper tone truck pulled in, so my mind exploded. It was, uh, see, that team was Tex Wingo and Tom Monroe. Tex Tom Wingo Monroe. and Tom Monroe.
2: So was there freestyle in that first event, or was it just kind of
0: overall disciplines? There was, and it was solo. Freestyle. It was onesies, so uh, I got to throw for Steve Kelly. I had just walked on this group like a month ago, and uh, he said, "Hey, will you throw for me?" And he wins the thing. You know, there's a public side to this contest, and you know, for a Coppertone, that's how they got their uh, how they got their numbers. So yeah, Steve Kelly. Uh, I remember uh, the first time I'd seen the the delay. Let's see. I I don't know that I knew what it was then. But I knew that I was obsessed with doing it, so I didn't really know what it was called. I remember my, my disc was a Super Pro. That's what I got. That's what I closeted with for whatever that month or two was. Down in Mississippi,
1: doing my delay, getting my delay on.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, Super
2: Pro. What a great disc, man. So, I missed that disc.
1: So when you say you threw for Steve Kelly, what does that mean? So I'm like, I'm from more modern freestyle, so what does that look like back when that's happening?
0: yeah no worries you you just uh steve was uh you know about 50 feet away or something just a comfortable throwing distance we're trying you know he's instructed me to give him a variety of throws some of which he could tip and some of which uh he could delay back then and we used a 40 mold that was issued to the players i didn't have the money to enter the tournament Uh, by the way i do remember it was five bucks (laughs) oh boy (laughs) so uh, anyway steve you know i was available so i think that was made that possible but yeah, you know, you're trying to get, you know, give me some on the left, feed me on the right a little bit, throw those ones up here, try to get a variety. He was the best in the group, though, so I kind of expected it.
1: It's fun to think about how yeah. different it was, because now I think I'm a thrower for somebody, all I'm going to do is pump Zs as much as I can. But you really had yeah, to okay. place it, send it just, just exactly what he wanted so that he could do the tricks that he wanted to do.
0: If you imagine that, yeah, you're trying to set somebody up for good numbers, like just like you would in your routine. Uh, you just gotta, you know, share the plate amongst you, make sure you end up all clean at the end.
1: So that competition happens, and you're obsessed with the delay. So then, uh, how, how long does it take you to learn it, and where do you go from there?
0: Man, it was just uh, that makes me think. I, I remember that's another really gnarly thing happened, a life thing. I got, uh, I was a music student, so. You know, every day, all day, I'm playing horn in a practice room or on the piano or writing and reporting to different teachers and stuff. I loved it because uh, that was my dream still. So uh, our our band was set up, our jazz band there at Ole Miss was set up to open for Maynard Ferguson and his big band. It was like the greatest thing on earth that I could have ever imagined. And uh, so we're doing the show. I told everybody, his brother, so, so proud. Great show. And came to a spot where there was about a half an hour break and uh, a lot of us were going to run back to my room and uh just going to say maybe smoke some lunch or something and i had been robbed so my whole dorm room was just cleared a silver king 3b was gone my sweet stereo and uh, some other things that you know uh so uh what a vibe but wow, uh no kidding Yeah, so what transpired to get me to Kansas City was I did some detective work and found out who it was. And it was this dude guy that I had helped over the Christmas holiday. Even, you know, I introduced him to a girl up there and everything. And all I did was pay for gas, and he drove and everything from old Mr. KC and back. It turned out to be him. So I uh, crashed in the dorm room for a couple of days, found out who it was, went over there and. Went through quite a physical feat to get my stuff back, which I did. And then I left for Kansas City. I, so I had to let go of that whole part of my life just to go back to KC with my horn and my pribsy. So it, was really, it really did help, although it was just hell to pay in the middle. You know, I remember going back and apologizing to this guy after the fight in the hall at Cannon. It just seemed like the thing to do. Anyway, so yeah, back to Casey. I remember the delay was. Uh, I'm living in a studio apartment, so in the the winter, I remember he practiced indoors and his wood squeaky floors, and I'd keep people up all hours and get kind of comments. But then when it started getting good, they didn't complain so much. Come down, you know. They're like play Uno in the corner, and I'd be over in the other corner. And wham, bang, bam. They're like, "Well, it was really good, there, crazy Larry." And, uh, but, uh, you know, you, you do what you need to do and you got to do it, don't oh, you? Totally. Yeah.
2: So was that your transition from kind of music into Frisbee or was music still part of it? And, or did you strictly start leaning into Frisbee? Like what, what was that
0: about? I still sucked at Frisbee. I, music was the key. I was, you know, I got a really good job right off the bat with a friend of mine, Wally Kukla, uh, he had moved down to Kansas City with another guy, uh, Snuffy English they were ultimate players from Kalamazoo so uh, Wally's a full time musician, he was, he got chosen in this uh, Vegas review show here that was popular um, it, even then, was had already had a name for themselves, I auditioned and got the got a part at Plan Horn and uh, the Johnny V show, the Johnny Variano show, oh man this guy was a pant load, really tough to deal with but uh, that was Thursday through Saturday, you know, cash, some nice, nice grip. So uh, just playing Frisbee in the day and thank God for that music job at night. That was a couple of years. I was basically using music to get more Frisbee and I, I wasn't going to stop. I kind of knew I was looking for what you mentioned to actually pushing off of music and landing onto. you know, uh, really freestyle was my focus back then. Freestyle and golf from the beginning
2: when did that kind of transition go to like jamming with people and like, what was the core group that was there with you in Kansas city?
0: Yeah. Uh, great question. Cause it's reminding me of this, you know, it was a constant relationship. I almost want to say that the Fribsy was my girl, um, you know, cause I was just giving so much respect and time and uh, responsibility and, you know, I built it into my life, you know, so I, 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 for the Fribsy, I was a great boyfriend is that, uh, the curiosity. I mean, uh, part of part of the freestyle hook for me was that it was like being in a band. You know, you're you're not just concentrating on like spinning it and stuff. You gotta make stuff. I mean, your feet gotta work together, your hands, your eyes, and and all different types of the torso have to actually orchestrate themselves. And you're still the conductor. But you know, and, and this is true, and especially I would say for the level of play that you arrive at. You've got more pieces in your orchestra, and and I've and I've seen it like that. I guess just because everything kind of relates back to music for me, it's a comfort zone for me. I think the precipice happened when um, I got really good at music, and then didn't want to quit. And then it was a contest of how can I get to make money playing frisbee, which is how that that first gig came in. Uh, well, there was a there was like some demos, you know, nothing organized. I was working with Tom Engel. Uh, Tom's just an amazing visionary uh, from Kansas City, uh, in the late seventy, uh, early and mid seventies. Uh, he brought the Coppertone uh, machine here to Kansas City back in seventy-eight. Uh, so, uh, but he also he's you know deeply historically intact in uh, disc golf and fall and what have you. But some various demos before anything organized happened, and uh, during that time in Kansas City. There was a few players that you just kind of play together with because that's just what felt good, and you could actually jump around and like our big uh, Saturdays at Gillum Park, which Tom Engel organized. Always a good uh, uh, friendship tool, the disc. But uh, I don't think that there was really any teams of sorts until uh, it was in Kansas. I'll tell you, they were happening in Topeka and Lawrence. Uh, Wichita, they had organized play out there. Chris Bright, some other players, Bill Harrington, Gary Barnhart, Bill Gordon, Barney Bayard. Yeah, these guys had it going on because they had more bigger populace of players. Well, we're just coming on. No real influences in Kansas City until I really met uh, Al Kurz. Suzanne Friesen, uh, man, I wish uh, she could have continued in her career. She's just uh, a remarkable player, uh, studied deeply, schooled in dance and ballet and uh but she you know went on to other professional means i guess to finally get to your point about the organized play the first organized effort was uh tony taffy and i doing some school shows we got uh an agent up in north dakota that was doing assemblies so we do uh 10 to 15 towns a week baby i think we were getting uh we like... get a check for fifty-two bucks. And that's for the whole thing, and I think we got ten each out of that by our own expenses. It was a slaughterhouse, but we loved it.
1: So you're doing like two shows a day. It sounds like
0: two and three. Yeah, two and three. Wow. Driving in between, you know, no two towns in a row. It was awesome. I remember uh, it was in the dead of winter uh, one time. We did uh, two or three different stints over a couple years, and uh, I took a few other players out on these things. But Tony was so great, man. Oh man craze. We gotta drive six hundred miles. Man. But uh you know, once we started, then we're talking about the routine for six hundred miles and all of a sudden we're there. Well
2: it's funny because
0: I, I did the school
2: assembly tour myself one two years actually and Dougie Fresh was my partner. So I know that scene nice. well and You know, we weren't making a ton of money, but we were playing Frisbee and we were getting paid money. So, you know, it was a dream. Like, wow, we're like professional Frisbee players, I say in quotes. You know, one thing that's kind of cool hearing you talk about the players uh, in Kansas City, in the Midwest and in that area is that Jake and I have talked to a lot of folks. So we've heard a ton about all the players on the East Coast. We've heard a ton about all the players on the West Coast. So it's really nice to get your view into this world there, sort of mid America, So great to hear those names and folks that had an impact
0: on you there. Yeah, there was uh, quite a few players were harvested, uh, mostly out of Kansas City, uh, or they migrated there. Uh, A couple other folks, let's see, comes to mind. uh, Well, Neil Adams, who became part of the Bud Light team later, uh, he he joined Hal and I as we were playing as the Fountain Town Jammers. That's, of course, the namesake of Kansas City. Uh, So we would do our competition routine at these gigs just like you do other places and then that of course morphed into bud light uh, because of you know a couple people that came into play along the line it was a sequence of ideal events but uh, back to the the midwest and their ability to propagate some players um some more talent it makes me think of this one kid vince peeler we went to high school together but this guy he was just had the dream set up everything both throws no delaying until later but uh he was a freshman when i was a senior you know one of those players that could have he could have flipped he could have turned into a magnificent overall guy but you know uh not everybody makes it not everybody survives the the weight not everybody goes pro overnight
2: so there you are in the Midwest, you're growing as a, you know, freestyle player, your skills are getting better. So who were some of your freestyle inspirations and, you know, who were some of those players that really inspired you to go to the next
0: level? Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, Frisbee World was was the only hook to that planet at the time. That was the cans and the string, you know, for anybody that was trying to follow from afar, and as again, you mentioned East and West Coast. Well, that's where the World went. They didn't go to the Midwest. We didn't have an event till uh, 79. Tom Ingalls NAS, uh, big success, too. That was the one where Stork had, uh, was it 326 chigger bites? He slept at the park. Yeah, that was, uh,
1: he, he, he would the remember
0: the exact count. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was gnarly. It was a, the big old buffet for the... Triggers. oh yeah Joe hey how that was super super time um, ground baskets I remember uh, for the for, for the uh, disc golf they had uh, he had some of that yard fencing with a uh, wood stake and some orange ribbon on it yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah we, we did not have a lot of events um, the early on events now were like remember if you're not having a lot of events, That means you just grow and grow this anxiety to see other players. You know, it's kind of like now. It's kind of like lockdown. You got to wait till the event and who knows when the next one will be. So just that thrill. Randy, you mentioned, you know, the joy that's out there doing school shows. Can you imagine those kids faces? I mean, no two shows alike, no two kids alike, no two audiences alike. And you know that is really the pay that doesn't show up on the check. So I was I was uh, I learned quite a bit from that. And then about your audience skills, um, you know, w- you know, we recognize Randy in that manner. I do anyway. Uh, as a really good liaison, you know, to an audience, which means a lot. These events that we used to come up with in the old days. One of my favorites was Hal Kurz. His family created a company called Century Laboratories. And his dad bought this, had it built. First time we'd ever seen anything like it. It was a 100,000 square foot building. And it was a pole building. So, you know, about every 60, 80 feet or something, there was a sport pole. But, oh, my goodness, you could see all the way down. It was like 360-something, 300 feet long maybe. And uh, But anyway, the first, you know, it was going through the head. Let's go jam until they get any of the pallet jacks in there, any of that, any of the pallet you know, storage and uh, and his family owns it. So we we're jamming on this beautiful, freshy fresh concrete and no wind, perfect dead of winter. And then he goes, "Bing!" One afternoon, he goes, "I got it because these trucks were showing up for all of these supplies. You know, to to begin business, they're showing up with these trucks full of empty fifty-five gallon drums with the, the logo on it, the Century Labs logo on it. So it just looks so awesome. They're all blue. And then, and he goes, bang, I got it. Dude, crazy. I got to We got to have, we got to play some golf, man. So he organized and created the, uh, world's first indoor golf tournament. It was called the cabin fever golf tournament. And we got players from all over, man. So what it again, it was just a chance to play frizzy, but it's the, the, also the chance to, where we're getting in with some guts, man. We got the, distance as well as we could don't count the slides freestyle of course and then that's just another one of these uh keeps the candle lit keeps the fire stoked you know when the events are so far apart back then of course we weren't going to miss them for anything and you know you get to jam for a variety of people or anybody that's so-called so to speak paired up with somebody then people watch them and you kind of start feeling like you're being looked at as if you're a team and you know it builds your confidence and Man, it's just a place to be on your planet with the same kind of aliens. Yes,
2: Craze, we certainly know Team Alien as we are on that roster. wholeheartedly agree that Frisbee tournaments are a great place to be with our fellow Frisbee aliens, for
1: sure. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of fellow aliens, I just want to give a shout out to Doug Corns. I uh, saw a picture of you on Facebook out at the disc golf course, and it's just so great to see you up and around. Uh, We've really been rooting for you, and our heart goes out to you and to Jeannie. So we know you're a fan, and we're so glad that you're listening, and uh, you're in our thoughts and prayers.
2: Yeah. And I want to echo that as well, Doug. We see you and we know you're hearing us. So we're hoping that gives you some strength through this challenging time for you. And we know that you're going to be up and jamming sooner than later. And when this virus gets all past us, we're hoping that we uh, get to see you in person. So be good, jam brother, and uh, sending you lots of love.
1: And on that note, I'll talk to you next time, Randy.
2: Talk to you next time.